Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Academic Life, a podcast series here on New Books Network. I'm Dr. Christina Gessler, the host of the channel. Today, we'll be talking to grad student Kayla Marcello about her pandemic perspective. Welcome to the show, Kayla. Hi, thank you for having me. I wonder if to start off, you will tell us about yourself. Sure, Um, I'd love to. Um, I'm a second year microbiology PhD student at UC Davis. Um, I work in Dr. Don Sumner's lab. I'm studying um, cold tolerance gene variation in cyanobacteria in um, Antarctica and then over large temperature gradients. And um, I did my undergraduate degree in microbiology also at UC Davis. Um, And before that, I was a transfer student from a community college. And um, that's where I got interested in microbiology to begin with. Um, I also have an eight-year-old son. So I'm doing grad school as a parent. And um, I think that's the bulk of me (laughs) right now. Okay, I have to ask, have you been to Antarctica? Are you going? Oh, my goodness. Um, So my uh, PI, my... um, um, the primary investigator, it's called PI. So she goes to Antarctica, I think, every other year. And I think they were supposed to go this year or the year before, but the pandemic happened. So they weren't able to do that. Um, but I don't know, that would be so amazing. <laughs> At the moment, I'm doing a lot of sort of bioinformatics work. So I'm not going to need to go out into the field. But if my project sort of changed its trajectory, maybe maybe I could go. That would be so much fun. It sounds like an expensive grant to take uh, your grad students with you to do that. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, people like, uh, people are really interested in having people go to Antarctica to study the, um, the microbial life that's there because you can kind of associate it with extraterrestrial life. Um, so my PI, Dr. Don Sumner, she is a, um, She's a geologist, actually, and she works in the Earth and Planetary Sciences Department at UC Davis, and she um, does a lot of work with, uh, like, Mars and um, and understanding the great oxygenation event of the Earth and um, seeing how uh, understanding microbial life on Earth can be translated to other planets or other moons or something like that. So it's super interesting. She's she's a pretty amazing woman. I had never thought of that connection before. My mind immediately went to climate change. That too. That too. I'm really interested in that too. Um, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to to work with her is because of climate change. And so understanding how the how the temperature is going to change in Antarctica is 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 really good to know to understand how like the the microbial life down there is going to change. It's going to it's going to adapt, I guess. I hope it'll adapt. So is the melting of the permafrost happening there? And is it revealing new kinds of microbial life that you wouldn't have had access to prior to so much global warming? Mm, I don't know that much. I do know in the Arctic that is absolutely happening. Um, But I'm not sure about Antarctica, actually. I I would imagine I would imagine that that is also happening there. Sounds like there'll be endless opportunities to continue to research there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm curious about something you said a few minutes ago, that you started out at community college. So many of my guests have 
really benefited from spending time at community college and have discovered their life paths from going. Can you talk a bit more about your time at community college? Yes, I had. So my educational career has been um, all over the place, I guess I would say. Um, When I was in high school, like I never took the SATs. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I had a lot of um, mental health problems. Um, I was just kind of like flailing, I guess. And I started going to community college because I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And I started taking the classes that they were telling me to take. And I just felt so lost. Um, So then I moved. I went to Sierra College. And then I moved to um, uh, another, another city, San Luis Obispo, California. And I went to the community college down there. And I started out as a business major with an art history minor that lasted one semester. Um, The art history class that I took was really incredible. It was really inspiring. Um, But then I, I don't know, I just bounced around classes so much. I just, it was a lot. (laughs) So then I finally had to take a life science class. Um, And so I took an intro to biology class. And that teacher was so passionate and so excited. It was just infectious. And um, so I ended up deciding that I kind of wanted to pursue some kind of science and um, still continuing to battle with lots of mental health issues. I ended up moving again to Santa Cruz, California, and I started at that community college, Cabrillo College, and they were doing a lot of because they're on the coast, they did a lot of um, marine science, and that was really interesting to me. So I started taking marine biology classes and oceanography classes, and I ended up being a student assistant for the oceanography lab there and um, uh, started taking more science classes. And then I met my ex-husband <laughs> um, and... Uh, got pregnant and dropped out. And um, it wasn't until about two years after that, two or three years after that, that I realized that not going to school was um, the worst decision that I that I made. I, I couldn't believe it, actually. I actually just found um, a chemistry teacher that I was taking. When I found out that I was pregnant, I was really, really sick. So I couldn't get up and I couldn't go to class. So I was emailing her and I was like, hey, I, I have to stop going to class now. And I'm, I'm just, I just needed to let you know that that's why I haven't been there for a while. And she was just, she was really understanding um, and was kind of sad. And I could see that she was sad. Like, oh, you're, I understand why you're doing this. I don't even know if she actually felt this way, but I don't know. I just, I, maybe I was projecting that, that I was realizing that I was making such a huge mistake by leaving and. Um, I actually just found her on LinkedIn. This was, this was nine years ago. Um, and I, I wanted to write her a message to tell her, like, you were one of the reasons why I kept going. Cause I felt like you were not disappointed, but disappointed in society that I had to stop, I guess. And, um, so two years later, I ended up leaving that relationship. It was a very toxic relationship. Um, I battled pretty hard with um, postpartum depression, 
um, uh, borderline postpartum psychosis and lots of mental and verbal abuse. So oh, that sounds really rough. Yeah, it was really hard. <laughs> it was really, really hard. Um, but I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty proud of myself. So I was finally just like, I'm out of here. I'm going to go live with my mom. I'm going to go back to Sierra College where it started at all. <laughs> I started my community college career. And there I just, I don't know, I, I got right back into going, doing the chemistry classes and doing the biology classes and um, and physics and all that stuff. And then I, I met actually a, a really incredible group of friends that I'm still friends with today. Um, and they were in a microbiology club. And then suddenly the president of that club graduated from Sierra College. And they were kind of like, we need a president. Hey, Kayla, do you, do you want to be the president of our club for this semester? And I was like, um, sure, that'll look good on a transcript. Um, yeah, I'll do that. And um, it was so fun. It was so much fun. Uh, it was really amazing. We, we took lots of trips down to the coast and we took samples and um, cultured them and isolated them and sent them off for sequencing. And um, I also coordinated a trip to the Monterey Bay Aquarium so that we could talk to their resident microbiologist about the things that she does. Um, her name is Emma Reimer. And she was actually a friend of mine from when I was in ele elementary school, which was pretty great. Um, that was, that was such a fun trip. And, uh, yeah, that group of friends all kind of decided, all right, well, we're all, we're going to go to the UC system. Let's apply places. And then we all got into UC Davis. And so we all went to UC Davis and we all did undergrad together. And then we all applied for graduate school here too. So now we're all still here. <laughs> um, so I guess your initial question was how beneficial was community college to me? And it was very beneficial, even though it took me a really long time to get through all of community college. It was absolutely the right step for me. Um, I know that some people have bad experiences with, with teachers and I just, I don't know. I feel like the, the teachers that go back to teach specifically at community colleges are really amazing people. They, they really want to reach people who, um, don't have, maybe don't necessarily have the same kind of opportunities as other students who just go straight into universities. And um, they just all seem to have that kind of personality where um, they're very understanding of everybody's lifestyles. And community colleges are so great because there's so many different kinds of people there. Um, I also, I took a job when I was at Sierra College uh, working at the hub, which is sort of, it's not admissions and it's not financial aid. It's sort of just it's the hub. So it's where any student can go to get help with coming to school. So basically, we're sort of like a liaison from the student to all opportunities that can be found in the school. So some we, I've worked with a lot of people who come in who are um, in the foster system or coming out of the foster care system or um, are immigrants, um, people that are first generation college students. Uh, people that are 80 years old and want to come back to school. So that was really amazing to see how many people are interested in getting an education. And then just, I don't know. Um, I really love UC Davis. It's a really incredible school. Um, but being in a community college and having that like diversity of people and um, 
being able to connect with that kind of a diversity of people was was really great. I really loved it. Someday I want to go back and teach at a community college. That would be that's my that's my dream. <laughs> if only they got paid more money. That's an amazing dream. I'm hearing some through lines in your story of really a willingness to look at yourself and accept yourself and to change where you need to, you know, to, to bend and flow rather than resist. And that you had a strong network throughout that, where, where if it was just one teacher who you believed believed in you, mm-hmm. if it was your mom who had an open door for you when you needed to leave a relationship that was toxic for you, if it was teachers who brought you into their classes and said, yeah, come on and research with us. And these friends, this friend group that you made, just this real importance of self-acceptance, um, seeing clearly your your circumstances and building a strong support network. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, so when I was a kid, I was very, very, very shy. And I stayed pretty shy until I had my son. <laughs> And it was just right after I had my son, I felt so isolated and so sad and everything was just so difficult that I started talking to everyone around me. Like I would go to the grocery store and talk to everybody in line and I would try and have conversations with the people that were checking me out in line. <laughs> and like um, just everywhere I went trying to like almost annoyingly attach myself to anybody. And so that's kind of what happened when I went back to school was I was in this chemistry class and it was very difficult. And I was like, I am not going to survive this unless I start talking to people. And so I started forcing um, study groups like, hey, this is where we're meeting. This is what we're going to do. This is this is how it's going to happen. Like everybody come. All right. And that's kind of how the friend group sort of happened. And I also got into becoming a tutor as well. Um. And so I met a lot of people there, which was really nice. Um, it all sounds really important. Um, support <laughs> networks. Just... My computer, sorry. <laughs> Are you okay? Oh yeah, everything's fine. Yeah. Um, support networks. It would be lovely if they if they just popped up for us, but often it's seeing the need in ourselves and being willing to say sort of what you did. I'll have a study group. I'll provide cookies. Just show up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it was really great. Um, so yeah, um, sort of forcing forcing myself into having a network that that really that has been really helpful through my through my educational journey, I guess. And so, if we can go to another part in your educational journey, if we can go to last March, early last March mm-hmm. of twenty twenty, where were you? How were things going? What was a typical day like? Okay. Um, last March was my, I was in my first year of grad school. Um, my son was in first grade and, uh, he was going to the elementary school that's here. One of the, one of the elementary schools here. And, um, I was taking classes, lots of classes. And I was also trying to decide which lab I was going to join. Um, and then, we start. It was really interesting, actually, because I was in a class and one of the professors was talking about how um, we were talking about human microbiology. And um, he was started to talk about how it's really interesting that um, a long time ago, people were not dying of heart disease and cancer and stuff like that. They were dying of disease, of um, infections, uh, bacterial infections and viral infections. And then suddenly 
we got antibiotics. And now um, people are the number one causes of death are cancer and heart disease. And um, he's like, what's interesting, though, is that antibiotics are starting to not work anymore. And you're going to be in the generation that dies from disease. Like, um, if we're going to start, that's going to be the, the, the next way that we all start dying. And then right after that, we learned about how COVID was happening. And then um, it was it was just like perfect timing. Like I can't, I mean, I know that antibiotics don't work on viruses, but it was just like, it was, it was perfect timing for that whole thing. And then um, I just remember I was, I was sitting at a, in a coffee shop with a friend of mine and I got a call from my son's school and they were like, um, everything's closed. Everything's closed. You can't bring your son back to school. And um, I think that was March 12th last year. And so I had to, oh boy, that was really hard. I had to kind of figure out what I was going to do. Um, it ended up working out, I guess. Uh, I had a, um, the woman that I was working with at the time was really understanding of like, oh, well, you, you can't come in. And then suddenly that laboratory got shut down. Um, they're a government building. So they um, not only had to comply with the county rules, but also the federal rules because it was a uh, USDA. And so I never went back to lab again. And it was really frustrating because I was, I was going to join that lab and um, all of my work was dependent on me being in lab. Like I had to do a whole bunch of DNA extractions in lab and then I, but I could never go back again. <laughs> so um, I ended up joining a different lab later, but yeah, that's where I was. Holy cow. So you have this foreshadowing lecture. Yes, it was amazing. And then you're just trying to grab a cup of coffee and you you get this phone call that you don't realize means that you're not going to even be able to bring your son back to school for a year and counting yeah. at this point. Mm -hmm. um, and then your lab is shut down and you have to do this major pivot. So how do you pivot? Oh, boy. Um, so I don't have a wonderful, like, story of strength and how I overcame. I mean, I guess I have now, but um, I guess I, I mentioned earlier that basically my whole life I've been kind of battling some kind of mental health issue. So um, having this very big change happen and needing to adjust so quickly um, and having absolutely no idea what my future looked like um, or anybody else's future, I... I broke down. I had a really last spring and summer were very, very, very difficult. But um, again, actually, I had a really amazing network of friends and we were all kind of going through the same thing together. And that really like we were all having a really, really hard time. And we like we we started having these Thursday Zoom meetings um, and we still have them. So in March or April, we started having a Thursday night Zoom meeting where we would basically get on and try and make each other feel better and then also be so sad about everything that was going on and how uncertain everything was and how scared we were. And being microbiologists, we all know a lot about viruses and we know a lot about vaccines and we just kind of like watching the world be um, scared of the vaccines and, and have no idea how viruses work and trying to be understanding and trying to teach people and our families reaching out to us and being like, what, so what is, um, what, what does it mean that this vaccine is coming out too quickly? And then we're like, oh, okay, well, they actually did a whole bunch of research on it. We know about all these different things. And they're like, well, I don't know. I don't know still. So 
that was really hard. So we talked about that a lot where we're like, it's really hard to have information and have people ask you for that information. You give it to them and they still don't believe you. That was really interesting. Um, I think that, yeah, I think that having this group of friends <laughs> was the only way that I could have, that I pivoted, that I was able to like keep going keep going through grad school. It was really hard. It sounds like also leaning into your knowledge helped you make sense of a world that had suddenly stopped making sense. Yeah, it still doesn't make sense, but um, it does feel it does feel good. Um, it feels good to have a little bit of knowledge, I guess. Yeah. I know as a historian, I was leaning on knowledge of pandemics and that the world has been through things like this before and the world is still here. Mm-hmm. Um, and just my analytical brain making a lot of predictions and uh, timelines. And when people were talking about how quickly uh, at that point and, and in March and April of 2020, when when uh, official word was coming out that we would have this dealt with fairly quickly, my historian brain was like, I think I think we need to lengthen out the timeline. We need to make a long view on on how this is all going to happen and, and and what are the ways we're all going to support each other through a long timeline yeah you know I didn't I didn't have that history background and so we were all kind of like it'll be fine it's going to be great you know there's so many advances in technology and you know we're, it's, it's going to be fine we're going to we're going to take care of this and just oh my god no like I, ha- I had some friends who were planning a trip to Hawaii they bought plane tickets and everything and then it was like oh my god no <laughs> we're not going to Hawaii <laughs> We had no idea. Yeah, I mean, the, the advances in technology and how quickly they are rolling out the vaccine are what makes this significantly different than, you know, what was yeah. going on in, you know, 1918 or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But still, as you said, people will come to you for the knowledge. I When the um, January 6th event at the Capitol happened, I just, my, I was the most popular relative that I, you know, in my family right. network. I was like, no one ever asked me history questions. Why do you all like me now? Yeah. Um, but uh, it was kind of exciting too uh, to be like, oh yes, I can answer that. And then yeah, what you, it's it's very hard though for people to process the data when they have feelings, when they have their own life experience, when what's on the news, when what's in the newspaper, when what's in their social media, mm-hmm. and then in their own social networks are all at odds with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, one of the classes that I have taken, it's like a bioethics class and some other classes too, where they talk about, um, and then some conferences that I've been to where they've had entire speakers talk about the way that you're like the way that you talk to people, to, to the public about stuff like this, like science communication. Oh my gosh. It's so important. It's so important. And, and like, I just, I, re- I, I remember when I was, when I was pregnant and I was thinking about um, vaccinating my son. And there was all that stuff about being anti-vax. And I was not a microbiologist at the time. And I had no knowledge about anything. And when you go online, that's all you see. That's the only thing you see is how horrible and scary and how everyone's lying to you. And it's just awful. And it was just the only, (laughs) I was actually very, very anti-vax for a second. (laughs) I didn't like preach that to anybody, but it was really scary. And my mom, she didn't vaccinate me and my sister for uh, like a few years after we were born. Um, she's a, she's a hippie living in Santa Cruz. And <laughs> so uh, I just remember 
when I was trying to talk to doctors about that, like, I'm not really sure about vaccines. I'm not really sure about what I should be doing with my son. and, And I would really like your, your advice. And they would literally roll their eyes at me. Like, that doesn't help. <laughs> that does not help when you are super condescending and looking down on me like I'm some idiot. Like this could be a teachable moment. And all you're, what you're doing is rolling your eyes at me. I, I mean, I ended up vaccinating my son because I learned that um, there's there would be potential for me to accidentally kill somebody else's child who's immunocompromised if I didn't vaccinate my son. That was the big mind changer. And then and then I learned all about vaccines and now I'm 100% on board. But so now I'm kind of like, you, you need to be understanding. <laughs> you need to be understanding that people are afraid. The way that you talk to people out in the public about this stuff is that they're afraid and and they need somebody to empathize and they need somebody to um, treat them like a human being, an intelligent human being and not and not be condescending to them. And yeah, I've been, I've been working a lot on that. <laughs> the communication is so important. And as you said, with, with empathy, uh, it strikes me that that doctor did not earn your trust. And had you then gone back to these forums that were frightening you, mm-hmm. they would have continued to be your educators. Yes. Um, where, whereas this person, this doctor missed this important opportunity to earn your trust, whether that was over a series of appointments mm-hmm. um, or putting you in touch with other like-minded parents who went through the process of ultimately deciding to get vaccines or any number of ways of, as you said, being a better science communicator with empathy. Yes. Yep. It's so important. Is that one of your future career goals uh, when you're talking about wanting to be a community college professor? Is that an avenue that you're passionate about uh, teaching science communication? Um, Yes. (laughs) So I was just, I was talking to a friend actually last night about how um, I'm TAing for an in-person lab right now, a microbiology lab. And I have told my students, cause they're asking, like, they're asking about grad school and, and what it's like. And I'm like, I think that, I think that you need to take what I say about education with a grain of salt, because I've been told many times that I'm too excited. I'm too excited about learning and I'm too excited about <laughs> science. Um, so yes, Absolutely. I would love to be some kind of science communicator in any way. Like I've I've been interested in working for um, public health. Um, The PhD that I'm getting right now um, can be translated into environmental work. Um, And I'm really interested in learning more about how climate change um, affects, affects people like how it is a race issue and it's a class issue and it's a women's issue. And, um, I would really like to, I would really like to help be a person that makes it so that science seems more accessible. Um, however, however that may be, I'm really interested in that. So you see these students in person, how are you all, um, managing safety protocols? Oh my. Okay. So Dr. Miriam Martin, is the professor for this class. Um, She asked me a while ago if I would TA for it. She is on top of it. Um, She is a really incredible microbiologist and she, oh my gosh, she's just so smart. She basically um, took, she took a really long time to figure out exactly how many, how many protocols we would need to change. And 
So we have these large laboratories where you have these classes normally, and we basically had to cut the class in half. So they measured out desks or uh, places on the benches where students can sit, and everybody is six feet apart. Everybody has to take a symptom survey before they come into the building, and then we check that symptom survey. Um, everybody has to wear masks, and we test their masks before they come in. We have them like breathe in and out to see if it'll like have suction. And uh, the students are now like double masking. Um, we also made it so that we changed protocols so that people aren't going to parts of the lab all together. Um, so making sure that everything is kind of spaced out, that um, because there's so few students in class right now, that one person can go at a time instead of a group of people going at a time. Um, she modified the lab so that there aren't as many there, are, there isn't group work like there used to be. Um, there's still partner work, but the partners are not sharing anything. Um, it's changed a lot. Um, she did a really incredible job. I would say the only downside is that the students are lacking that um, collaboration. Like they're not really learning that, that like to, to be collaborative in that space um, as much as they normally would but they are, they are getting lots of personalized attention because I can go and speak to every person individually because there's so much time and there's so much space. So that's helpful. Um, and then also uh, UC Davis has been just like leading when it comes to testing and um, ITA for a class last quarter that was all about uh, COVID and testing. So the students in that class would go to a seminar every week where we would have a guest speaker come in, somebody who's an expert in like zoonotic diseases or vaccines, or um, we had the provost to come and speak about what, what they're doing to um, combat COVID. And then part of the class was that the students could work in the testing facilities. So they would work for, for credit. It was like, um, I think two, two hours a week, they could go and work in the testing facilities and learn a lot about that. And oh my God, they were so excited. They loved it. It was amazing. Um, so Davis has these, has really amazing testing. And then um, they're also starting to just roll out vaccines. So the whole teaching staff got is vaccinated. So I'm actually about to get my second vaccine on the, on the 12th, which is perfect because that's the one year anniversary of when everything shut down. Um, yeah. So those, those are, those are the precautions that we're taking. I think that we're doing a great job. So did they ever shut down fully? Yes. Yes. Davis shut down fully. This is the first quarter that they had in-person classes. And so how are you managing your schoolwork online and your son's schoolwork online and everybody suddenly at home 24 seven? Oh boy. <laughs> I don't know how I'm managing. Um, I was, I joined this mom's group, uh, grad student mom's group. And we, we had one meeting and then everybody got busy and I, they didn't make another meeting. And it's like, of course, of course, we're all moms. We didn't go back. Um, but I just remember one of the women, it really stuck with me that she was saying, she's like, I just, I don't know, people keep coming up to me and saying, how are you doing this? How are you managing this? Like, this is just so amazing. You're so amazing. <laughs> and she's like, I'm not, I'm not managing this. Everything is half-assed. 
like I'm not I'm not doing a great job with everything. Like I feel like I'm not being a good mom and I feel like I'm not being a good student and I'm not a good professional and everything is really hard. Um my son was diagnosed over this last year with um ADHD. And um so being stuck inside the house on Zoom has been very difficult for him. And I'm sitting in the room next to him doing all of my classes and trying to get my work done and just kind of <laughs> just trying to make it work. Like he comes in and asks me questions all the time in the middle of classes. And I basically just told all my professors like, and my, my boss, like my son is going to barge into the room. There's nothing I can do about it. And, and I'm not going to change it. And they're all really understanding, which is amazing. Um, I mean, of course they are, they have to be, but like, yeah, so that's, I guess, how I've been managing. It's really hard. Also, uh, I, I basically told my son's teacher, who is also a very understanding person, that we just aren't going to get the work done. We're going to get as much of his homework done as we possibly can, and I just am not going to promise anything. And um, that's how it's been working. I don't know. We're moving through one day at a time. I really appreciate your honesty on that, that you've set a realistic uh, bar for yourself and your son that isn't going to take an excessive toll on you because the reality is the world right now is taking an excessive toll mm -hmm. on you. And I really appreciate that because every once in a while I'll hear from someone, you know, this was just a special time. Mm -mm. All of this unexpected time together has just been such a special time. And while I'm happy for them, another part of me is like, please sit down. Um, <laughs> I would I would love to have you share that with me in five years. Yeah. Um, so, but I think it highlights how people are having completely different experiences. And it's, there needs to be a space for honoring all of those. And finding people who understand where you are in that moment is really helpful. I don't truly understand the people who are saying, it's such a special time. I, I want to catch up with you in a couple of years then and hear that. Because um, mm -hmm. uh, that is your that is what you're experiencing. Um, my personal bubble, there's a lot of different forms of struggle going on. Yeah. And I think it's that's legitimate as well. That's honest as well. Um and it needs to be seen for what it is rather than, oh, we should get to having all those special moments. Uh, my goal is to survive the pandemic. Yep. Yep. <laughs> That's the bar that I've set for myself. <laughs> yeah, I'm still I'm still struggling with that a lot. Like, I'll, so Don Sumner, my boss, she has just been so incredible. Um, she's a really great mentor. Um basically whenever I have meetings with her, I'm like, I didn't, I didn't get this done. I just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm all over the place and there's something wrong with me. And I don't, and she's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> this is really hard. This is really, really hard. You have to stop beating yourself up. You have to remember like we, this is, these are unprecedented times as everybody says. Um, you have to, you have to give yourself slack. You have to give yourself permission to not be at to not be at peak performance right now. It's very helpful. I need to hear it at least once a week. I need her to tell me that. That is so important. And I'm glad that your professors are being explicit about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you wish um, more students knew? 
about the pan about what about the pandemic or about I would say about the pandemic experience, yeah. Oh man, um, it, that's that's so hard to say because I just feel like people's experiences are so different. Um, I mean, I wish I I hope that my students know that I'm there for them. <laughs> I totally understand if if they are having a hard time and they need to. Like I just I just had one student tell me that he couldn't turn in his notebook right away. And I was just like, that's fine. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't mind at all. Um, do yeah. you think enough students know they can ask for help? Do you think enough students know they can ask for help without their professor changing their opinion of the student? I think right now, yes. Um, I, don't, I don't have a good idea of what it looks like at other, other universities, but um, from what I've seen, um, the professors here at Davis have just been so understanding so understanding and and like the uh dr miriam martin that i'm working with right now she is she makes it a point consistently to say like i respect you all so much for being here this is kind of scary to come in for um in-person classes and um like we've had some students who have had to leave because they've had scares with covid or they or they got it uh, or something so then they're 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 nervous and i can tell they're nervous about telling us and like i'm so sorry and it's like oh my goodness do not apologize like we're going to make this work for you this is really hard um i hope that we're vocal enough about making sure that they they know they're in a safe space with us i have i have been feeling like that with all the professors that I've had, I have felt like it's okay. It's okay to fall behind and it's okay to ask for help. Um, yeah. So I guess, yeah, I would, I would want students to know that, that we have their backs and yeah. What do you hope of the pandemic lessons uh, carries forward when we're all reopen and we're all back face to face? Um, I hope that there is a better understanding of work-life balance um, I think that um, that has been uh, one positive of the pandemic is that we have been forced to um, blend our work life balance, our work in our work life and our home life. Um, we've been forced to do that. So everyone has had to make adjustments. And because this has gone on for so long, I think everyone is getting used to it. So at this point, it would almost be weird to go back. To not understanding that, um, so I really I hope that I hope that we do more online meetings. That sometimes, like what can be what could be an in person seminar can also be an online seminar. Um, oh, that's another thing that I really hope stays is that there's there's so many conferences and seminars that have been have been put online, and that makes it so much more accessible to people because um, like they can't fly out there or they can't. Um, they don't have a babysitter for their kids or something like that. And then if they can just go to this conference online, it's so much, it's so much easier. Um, I actually yesterday did a networking workshop for women in um, getting PhDs. And it was so amazing because they had this networking opportunity, but last week they had a pre-workshop where they had us practice Zoom networking. So like how to go into different breakout rooms and how to like how appropriate, how to appropriately introduce yourself 
because everything is different on Zoom. And so they did this whole practice run, which was just so amazing. And then it made it so that once we got into the actual networking um, meeting, it was easy. It felt it felt so much easier to to like go in between breakout rooms and meet different people and 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 everybody was really understanding too. Like if somebody new came into that breakout room, we'd be like, all right, everybody, let's have this person introduce themselves, which wouldn't happen if you're walking up to a group of people. They're not going to be like, oh, this person walked up. Ha- introduce yourself, please. Um, so yeah, I, I hope that those things stay going forward. I also hope that my Thursday Zoom meetings with my friends keep going forward. <laughs> I hope your mom group restarts too, or Me when too. similar takes its place. It sounds like an important support for student parents to be really sharing their, their knowledge and, and pointing out where the gaps are so that you all can figure out some strategies. Yes. Yeah, I hope so too. Yeah. What do you hope listeners will take away today from listening? Um, that you don't have to have everything figured out, I guess. I don't know. I, I, I just, I feel like I've been struggling so much and I've been hearing so many people say that, oh, well, we're, we're making it, we're getting through. And I'm like, no, this is hard. <laughs> this is really hard. And I'm just not as good at lying. Maybe. I don't know. Um, um, I hope that they take away that having a network of people in your life to support you is really important and to make an effort to, to create that. Um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's all I can think of right now. I think those are great. And I love that you've circled back to, you don't have to have it all figured out because that was one of the original things that you shared so beautifully was that you took classes in a lot of subjects and you attended several different schools, and you really got to know what academia has to offer before you came to roost in STEM. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Being flexible is very important. Do you think you would be where you are if you hadn't allowed yourself time to really explore? No, not at all. I really needed that. I really needed that. I know some other, some people don't. Um, I really needed to explore. I needed to move around. I needed to have different experiences. Um, I still struggle with that actually right now because I'm I'm sort of an older graduate student. Um, and so a lot of the people that I work with are in their early 20s. And I'm kind of like, I, I should have been here so long ago. And I'm like, no, I wouldn't have been here. I never would have gotten here. And even having a kid, like having my son was so motivating. Like it was really, really, really hard. But it really helped me in particular realize that I have to start really focusing on what I am interested in and what I want to do. Um, And I just, I don't know, biology made me happy. So I just went for it (laughs) very hard. It sounds like the school that you're attending and the professor that you work for and your support system are all really important. And yet at times you still struggle with imposter syndrome. Oh my gosh, yes. Um, I, I have been trying to find anybody that has gotten over imposter syndrome. Everybody that I talked to was like, oh no, you never get over it. You just get used to it. <laughs> you just, you realize after a while, if you ever get over, if you ever get used to it, that I don't know, you got here, right? <laughs> you made it to Davis. You made it to grad school. You're still here. That's how I everybody feels. So I don't know. That's, that's how I keep, I keep pushing my soul forward, I guess, is that. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think getting factual about it. Imposter syndrome will always crop up and we just want to stick it back in the corner again. Yeah, I actually struggle with it a lot. Um, I've taken a whole bunch of seminars on how to figure out like what type of imposter syndrome do you have and how can you figure this out? And I still come away with it like I should never have been here. They should, never should have taken me. I'm, I don't know anything. <laughs> actually, TAing has really helped with that a little bit because I'm, I'm looking back at how, what, what kind of a student I was when I was taking these classes and all of these students are in the same position. I'm, I'm just like them. I was just like them. I wrote the same way. I had the same questions. I'm like, if they're all like this and I was like them, Right now, I probably am like everybody else too. And some older graduate students are looking down, looking at me, being like, oh, "Man, once you get once you get going, it's going to be fine." But I can't tell you that now. <laughs> You're not going to believe me now. But I, I guess I will once I become once I'm further into my PhD program. It sounds like you're very generous about your life experiences and how they might help other people who have similar struggles. I hope so. I hope so. I, that was uh, being being honest is really important to me. It's really really important to me. I just I remember um, right after I had my son and I I had left the relationship that I was in and I was um, I I was actually hospitalized for postpartum depression, which was pretty awful. And so I was started in this um, mom group, and uh, one of the one of the women that was there came up to me afterwards because during one of the meetings I was like. I just, this is just too hard. This is too hard. And I feel like all those other moms that are walking around like, oh my goodness, isn't this just so wonderful? I'm like, they're all liars. And like, maybe that's not true. Of course, there's there's moms who are saying that it's wonderful and it really is. But that, this woman walked, came up to me afterwards and she was like, I really needed to hear that. I really needed to hear that people are just better at lying about how hard things are. And so since then, I've kind of been like, I'm, I'm never going to lie about anything like this again. I'm never going to pretend I have things together because people really need to know that um, you can just be flailing through life and still make it. <laughs> it, makes, it makes everything seem more accessible when you're seeing somebody having a hard time but still doing it. And being honest that we are all flailing through life or pointing people continually to the, to the best spots uh, is true. We do have those best spots. We can be that kind of tour guide of our life, but really laying it all out there and saying, this is all, this is all true. And it all, it all informs how I do what I do now. And it all, even the boggy, yucky parts have made me stronger and better right now. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. What do you hope this conversation sparks? Um, I mean, this has been beneficial for me. <laughs> <laughs> Going back and kind of talking about all of this is kind of like, wow, I really... I really have worked hard. I really have done a lot. That feels good. Um, I hope that on a broader scale, maybe, maybe some mom will listen to this podcast and think I can, maybe I can do that too. Like even, even if I can just reach one person who's kind of like, huh, I'm slightly inspired. That'll be good for me. I'll be happy about that. I'll be happy about that too. (laughs) Kayla Marcello, thank you for being on the Academic Life today and giving us your pandemic perspective. I'm Dr. Christina Gessler. This is New Books Network. Please join us again.